0: Matthew chapter seven tonight. Matthew chapter seven. We are going to be finishing up the Sermon on the Mount tonight, as it's known. And just a little review before we finish up the Sermon on the Mount. Remember, the one thing I want us to focus on throughout this book, because folks, I just I keep finding stuff. One of the, you know, one of the greatest revelations, if you want to call it that, that I, I received this year that has helped with so much stuff is just the that whole concept of a Jesus-based prophecy rather than an Israel-based prophecy. Now there's been there's been a couple different things this year from talking with other people where they have like articulated truths, they've articulated principles that I practiced to a certain point, but like the the way they articulated just kind of made it more clear and just gave they ex you could, you could say they expounded the way of God more perfectly to me. And when I realized that, it was like, yeah, that proves what I've been saying, but also if we take this concept to its conclusion like you're saying, then that also proves this and this and this. and it's just it's been huge it's been it's been absolutely huge. And going into the book of Matthew, Understanding that the story of Jesus Christ, the details that it is bringing up, it is a retelling of Israel. Jesus is Israel's do-over. Israel messed up. Israel broke the covenant. Israel needs another chance. Jesus was their other chance. Jesus was Israel's second chance. We've got to get a hold of that. And we're gonna, and so we've been pointing these things out, and I don't want to get ahead of myself. There's some pretty big stuff that we're going to see that was also Israel's second chance. And I'm going to cover some of this on, on Sunday. I'm not going to go real in depth on this. But folks, even the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Did you know I'm realizing many of these prophecies people are going to about the restoration of Israel was fulfilled through the resurrection of Christ and i'm planning on proving that in the next weeks which is huge because one it shows again how they're taking the promises for jesus and giving them to israel but also too it shows that what these people are looking for to come is not going to come it or i guess you say it this way it already came what they're looking for has already come and so We've got some big stuff. We've got some big stuff coming up. So pay attention to these reviews. It's important you understand. So just like God called Israel out of Egypt, God called Jesus out of Egypt. Just like Israel was baptized in the Red Sea, but God was not well pleased with them, according to Paul and Corinthians, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River and God was well pleased with him. He, uh, just like Israel was tempted in the wilderness... And failed, in all, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in all points like Israel was, yet without sin. And so every area where Israel failed, we're seeing Jesus succeed. He is now in the mountain, not so much preaching a sermon like we do today, as much as he is giving new instruction for his kingdom that he is setting up on earth. That That is what's happening right now. And so this sermon on the mountain and and this him coming on the mountain, it was, this was a redo from his coming on the mountain in Mount Sinai that Israel couldn't handle the presence of God. He has now made himself a little lower than the angels and he is fulfilling the prophecy of Moses we're going to look at here in just a second. And so this sermon, it's not like many sermons today where we kind of pick a topic and we kind of focus on that topic. This is all instruction for his kingdom. The people of of Israel had been commanded by Israel, the man. They had been commanded by Israel, the man, to follow Shiloh. They had been commanded by Moses to follow the prophet like him that would someday come. And this right now, this is the time. This is the event that israel prophesied of this is the event that moses prophesied of and not just moses but the law itself prophesied of this they had direct orders from the law from israel their father to do whatever that man said so all these words that Jesus is speaking in the mount, they should have taken these just as serious as they did the Ten Commandments and the law of Moses. The, them rejecting Jesus was rejecting Israel and rejecting Moses. In Genesis 49:10, 10, Jacob speaking, the scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Jacob put Judah in charge of his brethren he was to lead his brethren until Shiloh came. And Shiloh came and they were supposed to follow him, according to their father, Israel. Israel is the one who inherited the land. Israel, it was his. And, and, and it went to those who not just physically descended from him, but those who remained under his authority and followed the law of their father. You cannot just like you cannot continue claiming to be an American when you are just violating everything that America stands for. You go against everything America stands for. You leave the land. You know there's ways you can revoke your citizenship and all that kind of stuff. And Israel did just that when they rejected the Messiah. We see in Deuteronomy 18:15, "The Lord thy God shall raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren, like unto me; unto him shall ye hearken." According to all that thou desirest of the Lord thy God in Horeb in the day of the assembly, saying, Let us not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, neither let me see this great fire anymore, that I die not. And the Lord said unto me, They have all spoken that which they have spoken. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto me, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So is, so Jesus, speaking in the Sermon on the Mount, He is speaking the words that God told Him to speak. And God said, if they don't won't listen to Him, I will require it of them. You know what He didn't say? Now eh, I'll, I'll save them anyway. That's not what He said. No, it will be required of them. So every single verse of these three chapters you know that you know that, that there are things that are relevant for today they're relevant for today but again I, I and as we go through this chapter this is all relevant for us today this is all instruction we should be following don't let somebody put this in an old testament dispensation no we should be following every single one of these things in the sermon on the mount so just a few more important notes nothing in this sermon on the mount would uh, would lead anyone to violate any of the Old Testament law. Jesus said in 5.17, Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus was here to do, to fulfill what the law was to fulfill and accomplish. And he did it. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass in law till all be fulfilled. And so what I want you to think about tonight is how is the law fulfilled? How is the law fulfilled? Because these are our instructions. How do we fulfill this? Israel did not fulfill the instructions of, that God gave on Mount Sinai. They did not fulfill that. They were not acceptable to God. So the question is, how do we fulfill Christ's instructions from the Sermon on the Mount. When we've all violated some of these things before. Have anybody violated anything we've covered? All right. You know, listen, I know I'm not a priest, but let's go ahead and confess, right? You know, we've all violated some of this. But yet, I'm here today to tell you we can still fulfill these things. But how? That's an important thing. And I think by the end of this message, we're all going to understand how the law is fulfilled. You could definitely say Jesus was raising the standard or clarifying the standard as we talked about. In chapter 5, but chapter 6, we're seeing the importance of obeying the spirit of the law and not just the letter. Not just the letter. If God says, don't do something, it's not enough that you just don't do it. You shouldn't even want to do it. That's what Jesus was saying. It's not about just what you can physically make your body do. But no, even in your heart, God wants you obeying him and following him. It's kind of like the story of the little boy who was told to sit down over and over again in the classroom and he kept standing up and finally he just gave up and he sat down and the teacher, you know, the teacher was glad he was finally sitting down and he said, I might be sitting down in my seat, but in my mind I'm still standing up. You know, that's that's still rebellion. That's still rebellion. And there's a lot of people, they're following the letter of some of God's instructions, but in their mind they're not obeying it. They don't want to be doing it. They're going along. And everybody's every parent's seen this with your child before. It's still sin. If, you're, if you tell your child to go clean their room and they go clean their room and they've got a bad attitude and they're stomping around and they're you know mumbling under their breath and things like that, they're, they're obeying you, but they're still sinning. That's, st- that's still sinful in doing that. And so, nothing we have read so far could be considered irrelevant for us today. But if somebody wants to get contentious and there's dispensations out there that might, the only verse they could go to is Matthew 5.23 where it says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there remembers that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled with thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. And so a dispensationalist could take this, and they will use this one verse to prove, see, this isn't for us, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, are we supposed to be bringing gifts to the altar? Are we supposed to be bringing sacrifice to the altar right now? Obviously, this was still under the Old Testament dispensation because the death of the testator hadn't come yet. Just understand, if you ever hear anybody say that, that person is someone who has not learned one thing from the Sermon on the Mount, especially chapter six they haven 't learned the spirit of the law because again you know it's it's about the it 's the principle of it, obviously they were still under that system when Jesus gave this, but the point was of, of that whole thing was that being right with your brother is important before you're going and going through the motions of offering these gifts and things at the altar, you take care of things between your brother. That's, that's an important thing to do. So obviously we can still make that application today. You know, we should, you know, we should make things right with our brethren when we know they have aught against us. This isn't about the sacrifices. This is about taking care of things before your brethren. Do you think God wants us having good relationships with each other? Yes, he does. For sure. So, uh, don't, don't let anybody get contentious and mess with you on that. So if those under the old covenant couldn't fulfill the law and keep the covenant, then how can we expect to keep the law in the new covenant? But every command that we see in here, we should all strive to keep, but every one of these commandments, we could all say we have failed to keep them at one time or other. but that does not mean We're without hope. So let's go through these commands. It's just about understanding how these things are fulfilled. And some of this, I think we kind of take for granted, you know, under this new covenant. Because we do. We have so much liberty in this new covenant. It's very easy for us to take certain things for granted that this generation would not have taken for granted. But I think we forget this sometimes. And so hopefully tonight will remind us. But let's go ahead and start reading. In verse 1, judge not. That's all it says, right? And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. What we are seeing here in this is not a command to not judge because we are going to see later on we are actually commanded to judge certain things. We'll see that in a little bit. The problem here isn't judging, but it's judging with hypocrisy. We should not be hypocritical in our judgment. With what judgment ye judge ye shall be judged this is like what jesus said before uh for if we forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive your trespasses we see that principle often in the bible that how we are with others is how um got you know how god is going to be with us we'll see more examples of that in this chapter but hypocrisy is in reality probably one of the most repulsive sins in the world that is universally hated does it ever i mean listen the most vile of people hate hypocrisy don't they democrats they hate when republicans are are hypocritical baby killing democrats when they see hypocrisy in republicans they throw a big hissy fit republicans are the same way towards democrats Christians were like that. And often too, like one of the reasons too, Muslims hate Christians so much is they see Americans as Christians and they see sodomite marriage. They see the trans trans stuff that's going on. And then they hear us talk bad about Allah and they're like, you people are for trannies. You people are for homos, homos and things like that. And so that to, that's repulsive to them. That seems kind of hypocritical. And you know, we need to make sure we have some consistency when it comes to our stance you know one of the things too uh that um some of my enemies okay and i will call them my enemies they have they have have publicly acknowledged that at least when it comes to predators and perverts as much as they hate what i say about the lgbt and all that kind of stuff they have they have acknowledged the consistency that's there because i do i hate all the perverts. The illegal ones and the legal ones. I think it's all wicked. I think it's all repulsive. And I'm disgusted with the people who hate IFB perverts, and yet they're okay with all the other perverts. I, You know what? Hey, go ahead. I'll hate the IFB perverts with you. But you should hate the other perverts with me too. We should, we should all be disgusted by perversion. And it's hypocrisy, but at least with me, they know... I'm, I'm, I'm mean, across the board consistent. They, they see the hatred and disgust for all of them. And that's the way we should all be. And so even though we have major disagreements, they can at least acknowledge, hey, at least there's some consistency there. It's kind of like with Muslims. As much as I disagree with Islam, I want to see some consistency with it. If you're a Muslim, I expect you to be wanting to blow me up. You know, that's what a, that's what a real Muslim wants to do. You know, we all hate hypocrisy. Don't you hate the, you know, when you see the Amish around here driving cars and on their cell phones? You're not Amish compromisers you know in morrison you know there, there's horse and buggy amish out there you know and i saw one the other day we drove by one late at night and they had a light on their thing that <laughs> i'm pretty sure was battery powered or something driving their horse and buggy which they needed to because it was dark out but at the same time it's like well you're doing better than the car driving amish out here but you're still a hypocrite you know <laughs> driving driving with that light like that but we, you know, everybody hates hypocrisy. Don't don't be a hypocrite about things. Um, verse six: Give not that which is holy unto the dogs; neither cast ye or pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. And this passage here, this is one too that it is. It's kind of random, but Jesus is kind of given. Because this isn't all one subject. He's kind of given a variety of things, and I believe that the the principle we're seeing here is one, there are some things that are holy and sacred that we should handle with care and with respect. And we should not, and I think a way we can make application today, a way we can specifically make application, I don't believe we should recklessly put ourselves in danger or in situations where there's clearly no good that's able to come of certain things. So for you know, for example, You have people that get really upset about, you know, some of the stuff we teach about reprobates and things like that. But at the the same time, too, you know, I'm sure we accidentally witness the plenty of reprobates, and and I don't think that's wrong. If you ever go and you give the gospel and you find out to someone you find out later they're a full blown sodomite, you don't need to apologize. You didn't do anything wrong. I think you should. I think you should give the gospel to anyone. But I don't believe you should ever put yourself in a compromising situation. So, uh, so the thing is, if there is, if there is a situation where you are endangering yourself, okay, if I see a guy robbing a gas station, well I'm going to go give him the gospel because the Bible says every creature. So you're saying we shouldn't give it to thieves? Not while they're robbing a gas station. You're, you're likely put yourself in danger. I remember one time I was I was so, I was and I was by myself that day. I was I was here in town and it was it was a it was a hot summer day and I remember there was a lady out on her porch sunbathing, and you know what? I didn't go to her house. Bible well, says every creature. I, I understand that, but I'd be kind of putting myself in an awkward situation right there, and I don't think I, I don't think we should do that kind of thing. And so, if we see a situation where there are, there's people being vile. There's people in the process of sinning. It's clear, you know, you're in the presence of a dog. You're in the presence of swine. You know what? You don't need to cast your pearls before swine. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you, you're going to get yourself in a bad situation. You don't have to do that. And so it's called, it's called um, I can't think of the word. It just it just slipped my mind. Prudence. Prudence. That's the one I'm looking for. Prudence is what we need to have. And so I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, but I think everybody should exercise prudence. And if you do, if you see a situation where you can't win, I remember another time I, I could take you to the house. I, I was knocking doors and I remember I'm knocking on this one door and then all of a sudden I hear an argument going on next door and it got ugly. And I remember listening to the woman. I, I don't remember all that was going on, but I remember she let out the most hor- horrible sounding, just naggish, Hillaryish, Jezebelish. You know what? Shut up! I mean, it, it just, the way she said it, it was the most repulsive thing in the world. And I I heard that, and I remember just, you know, thinking how I just can't imagine a woman saying that to me. And let's just say the man that she said it to did not enjoy it very much, and he said words came out of his mouth that should never be spoken in a Baptist pulpit. They have, but these ones what they shouldn't. <laughs> they will never be spoken behind this pulpit. It was bad, and, I, and and you know what? I heard that going on. I was like, I don't think it's a good time to go there. You know, that's that's not the time to go give somebody the gospel when they're in the middle of a knockdown drag out, you know, and so you you gotta, you gotta have some prudence. And so you you do there. There's some people there. That's why too, this street preaching at pride rallies and things, it's dumb. It's literally casting your pearls before swine. And you know what typically happens? They get trampled under their feet and they turn again and rend them. That's typically what happens. So we don't do that stuff. Okay. We don't do that. When we go to New Orleans for our soulening trip, we're going after Mardi Gras. Not during. We're not going down there in that mess when all that debauchery is going on. That's casting our pearls before swine. We're going to go go afterwards when it's all done. So, so we shouldn't recklessly put ourselves in dangerous situations where there's clearly no good that's able to come of it. We're not going to do that. So, verse 7, "...ask and it shall be given unto you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened." Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, he will give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? Now, just like we saw last week with prayer. Remember how we talked? I want you guys to get these things in your head. These are easy to remember. With praying, P, praise, R, repent. A, ask, Y, yield. That's a good, you should have all four of those things in your prayer. That's a good thing. You talk to God and let God talk to you for a little bit. Another thing too, that's easy to remember in prayer that we see right here in this verse. Think about ask. Praying is asking, right? Asking, we have, so we have A, asking, S, seeking, K, knocking. And we have it right there in that order. This proves English Bible is superior to the, the Greek. All right uh, in the Rukmanite world, because look at how that's all just uh, lined up perfect. All right. but no, that it is. I, I, I don't really believe that. I think it's. I think it's equal. But at the same time, uh, it's, it's an easy thing to remember. So, how do we put that into pra- practice? The asking, seeking, knocking. Well, we ask simply by praying and saying, "Hey, you know, Lord, will you answer this request?" We seek by looking for or expecting an answer. It's like sometimes we pray. And then God ends up answering these things that we don't even notice. You know why? Because we just, we're not really thinking about it. No, you ought to ask and you ought to seek. You ought to be looking. You ought to have some kind of expectation that God's going to answer that prayer. Sometimes we pray because we're supposed to, but then we act like God's probably not even going to answer the prayer. No, we should ask and seek. Ask and seek, but then also knocking. How do we knock? Well, the knocking, I think that's what we, we should be persistent in our prayer. That's where we do things to try to get God's attention. Like doing it multiple times. As praying over and over again. And we're not going to go into the parables. There are parables where Jesus is telling us to do that. Keep praying. Pray often. Do things like fasting. You know, do things to get God's attention. That's what knocking is all about. It, it's a noise you make to try to get somebody's attention. And and we should try doing that with God. So in your prayer, asking, seeking, knocking. All three of those things are good things that we we should all incorporate into our prayer. And those are things everyone can remember. So just remember, praying is asking. Praying is praising, repenting, uh, asking and yielding. And asking is asking, seeking and knocking. And it's all right there outlined for us in the scriptures. And so verse 12 says, therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and prophets. And right here is what many refer to as the golden rule. If you ever hear people say the golden rule is do unto others as you would have them do unto you, that is based off of this right here. Whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. And notice how he said, for this is the law and the prophets. You will obey the law. You will fulfill the law if you just do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If we just treated others the way we want to be treated, we would follow the law. That's why I said this is the law and the prophets. The, this is the lesson that all these laws were trying to teach you. I'm summing it all up in just a few words. Whatever, whatsoever you would mentioned mention do to you, do ye even so to them. And you don't want other people killing you. You don't want other people stealing from you. You don't want other people committing adultery, uh, you know, with your wife. You don't want other people doing these things to you. So don't you do these things to them. And if you operate that way, you're going to follow the law. And so, uh, and again, this is another example too of a verse showing how, you know, God deals with us the way we deal with other people. God watches how we are with other people. And, and, Many people, while they don't live by the golden rule, they just do whatever they feel like doing at that time. Well just understand if that's the way you are with everybody else, that's probably how God's gonna be with you. And if you're giving people everything you think they deserve, watch out, God's probably gonna give you everything that you deserve. And we I don't wanna live that way. I don't wanna I don't wanna deal with that. But if that's how you're gonna be with everybody else, that God's gonna be that way with you. I want other people to forgive me when I mess up. I want other people to forget it when I mess up. I don't want them to ever bring it up again. Just any, in every area, if we would all take the time to think that, how would I want people to be with me? What would I want people to do with me in this situation? And you should do that thing. And you know what? I think we've all been there before. I know I've been there before where you have had people do things to you as you had done to others and it didn't work to your benefit and you know it it stinks when that happens so we really need to make sure we stay focused on this and if we do you know we'll follow the law verse 13 enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it and i think basically what he's saying right here is don't follow the crowd the crowd is typically going to get things wrong. It t- the crowd typically gets things wrong. I remember one year I was blessed because I was looking in the newspaper after one of the elections and I voted in the minority in this area on every issue on the ballot. And I was like, well, I guess I'm on the straight gate because <laughs> I'm literally in the minority on everything. And, it's not, and you know, if you're, if you're doing what the masses are doing, you're probably in the wrong. That's basically what he's saying right here. And so he's saying not to follow the crowd, but also he says, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Um, ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit and a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. And I, I want to spend a little bit of time on this because this is, this is important here. Many times people make the mistake in this passage of thinking the fruits is exclusively someone's doctrine. Okay? That, that is not true. Well, we, here's what you need to understand about this phrase right here. Jesus is not dealing with a single issue when he makes the statement. He is basically, you know, just telling us a general truth here that you will know them by their fruits. We can make application on that in literally just about anything that you will know them by their fruits. For example, I I could just say that uh, you could figure out what team someone is a fan of. By their fruits. Okay. So, so basically, if I want to figure out the fruits of Aaron, as far as what team he likes, you know, I will pay attention. By, I'll, I'll know by the fruits, meaning he'll probably wear clothing that represents that team. He will probably talk often about that sport. And, you know, you know, there, there's certain things I will be able to expect from him. If he is a Cubs fan, I will not expect to see him wearing Cardinals clothes that's not what cub fans typically do typically cub fans hate the cardinals you know if somebody says they are a bears fan and they're going around wearing cheese heads i'm going to question that because i'm seeing the fruit of that cheese head and that's telling me you're a packers fan and typically bears fans don't like packers you know that that's kind of that's kind of how these things go and so obviously you can make application with doctrine but across the board this i believe this applies to every area of life this passage here too also proves jesus wasn't saying we can never judge because in the beginning of the chapter he's telling us you know he's telling us just to judge but judge without hypocrisy so how do we judge fruit okay how do we judge someone's fruit because often this is talked about in application to salvation and someone's doctrine because we're not saved by works because you'll have the, the, you know, the repent of sins crowd that will often call someone's salvation into question because they're not seeing fruit, meaning I'm not seeing any good behavior. And they'll say you'll know them by their fruits. Oh, so you're saying that, you're, that the fruits is the works. That's what you're saying that is, no, we're saved not by our works, but you know, it's about what we believe in, therefore the fruits is the doctrine. And so, you know, that they make it they kind of make it about that. And it is true, you know, that you can learn a lot about somebody based on what they say. But how many times have we seen it too, though, where people say one thing and then they do another? Where people preached one thing one day and then later they're preaching something completely different. Okay, so again, fruit when he when he says this here, this is more than just Judging somebody's gospel presentation on that day and judging their fruit by that. Okay? Judging the fruit is not something that you can do that you're just going to be able to do overnight with everybody and with everything. Okay? That's something that, that's something everybody needs to get a hold of. Judging someone's fruit, it's going to take time. Okay? It, it, it often takes time. Anyone can say the right thing, but time will tell if they actually believe it. And that is so that is that is so common in churches where people they do they sit they sit in there they learn what they're supposed to say. They know what their position is supposed to be. People they go to Bible college and they learn what their position is supposed to be. You're going to an IFB Bible college. You're going to go start an IFB church. You need to be IFB. Okay, what does it look like to be IFB? You know, and everybody knows what that looks like, but it's often not it's not in there with these people. And eventually it will be revealed what they really are. It will, time will tell what they really are. And part of it will show in their doctrine. Part of it will show in how they teach. So part of how I judge someone's fruit is one, obviously I'm paying attention to the doctrine, but one of the things I do too is I pay attention to, is this person just repeating back what they were told? Or, you know, are they saying these things in their own words too? And you can tell, you can tell the difference between somebody who was just repeating what they heard and somebody who did their own study and came to these conclusions. And it's okay if you repeat somebody for a while. We all do that to a certain extent. But if you're not capable of articulating anything and saying anything, taking, you know, taking, handling any kind of curveball somebody throws at you without report, you know, quoting back something you saw in a documentary or YouTube clip, then I'm not sure it's internalizing in your heart. I think this is the, who you've aligned yourself with for right now. And so you've learned how to repeat back those facts. But if it's not really yours, if it's, if you've not really internalized it, it's only going to be a matter of time. We're going to find out what you're really thinking. We're going to find out what you really believe. But it does, it, it takes time. False prophets, too. False prophets don't exclusively teach bad salvation doctrine. Okay? They, they teach many other bad things as well. That will lead people into trouble. Sometimes false prophets, they come in preaching the right thing in one area, but they've got these other areas where they start sneaking in their leaven. That's kind of how false prophets work. They come in privily, bring in damnable heresies, and it does. It takes time. It eventually shows. It's kind of like too, you know, when you know, and I am not a planter or farmer or anything like that, but I've been told that tares and wheat at first don't look that much different unless somebody's like really trained, they, they look very similar, but eventually you see the fruit of those things. Okay. I know almost nothing about plants and all that kind of stuff, but you know, uh, like if, if right now I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between an apple tree and a pear tree, cause there's not gonna be any fruit on it right now. Some people could, but I couldn't, but you know, I, but I, when it, when the fruit's on there, I can tell. And so understand it takes time for fruit to manifest itself sometimes and we need you know what we're supposed to do we're supposed to judge the fruit producing fruit is not exclusively too about getting someone saved saved people can produce bad fruit in certain areas sometimes people are right on the gospel but they stink at living life you know they're right on the gospel but they don't have good christian behavior they're not you know there's there's people too they're just not able to produce disciples. You know, they, uh, they don't produce good families. And when you do, when you see, you know, all this bad fruit coming from somebody, you know, if, you know, as a, as a pastor, you know, I mean, you know, God forbid one of my kids go bad, it can happen, you know, it, it can happen, but it's so, you know, you're, you're, all your kids are going to have to make a choice. Their own choices one of these days. But like, if all my kids are turning out bad, then you know what, it's okay for you to judge my fruit It's like, you know what? Maybe Pastor Tommy doesn't really know what he's talking about in this area. Yeah, but at least I'm right on the gospel. Okay, good. You know, I'm glad you're getting people saved. But forgive me if I don't listen to you when it comes to child rearing. I don't think you know what you're talking. I don't think you know what you're talking about. It's okay to judge a fruit. That's what I've done. You know, there's people out there who I've listened to closely. And I still listen to closely when they preach on these things. You know why? Because I've judged their fruit. And they've they've produced good things. And so, um, just whatever it comes to this, you'll know them by their fruits. Don't make this only a salvation doctrine thing. This is the principle across the board. You can make it with an electrician. Is he really a good electrician? Well, you know him by his fruits. If he goes and works on electric in your house and and your house burns down after that and none of your light switches work and, and your outlets don't work, He's not a good electrician. You'll know him by his fruits. A carpenter. If he builds a house and it falls down, he's not a good carpenter. Why? I've seen the fruit. I've seen what he produced. You want to know if I'm a good artist? Go look at some of my drawings. That's my fruit, and you'll see. You're a bad artist. I am a bad. I, I'm a bad artist. You'll know them by their fruits. So, don't. The reason I say don't let people make this exclusively a salvation thing. It's because the whole point of this, you'll know them by their fruits, is because we're all supposed to be judging. We're supposed to be judging. When somebody is out of shape, they're probably not who you want to listen to when it comes to health advice. When someone has a bad marriage, you don't go to, you, know, you don't go to, who can't stay married these days? I was going to say Elizabeth Taylor. Isn't she dead now though? That's who people used to say because she'd been married a zillion times. You don't go to those people. You know why? Bad fruit. They can't keep a marriage together. You, you don't go to people like that. So always keep that in mind. And you shall know them by their fruits. It's not just a salvation thing. It, it's it's a, a principle across across the board. And so, ultimately, too, what we're seeing, Jesus is telling these people, don't believe everyone you hear. Don't believe everyone you hear. Bad people are going to come along. Bad people are going to come along they're going to lie to you. They're going to mislead you. Judge the fruit of anyone that you listen to. So verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What is the will of the Father? Well, John 6.38 says, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of Him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that all which He hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So, it's very clear what the will of the Father is. That we believe on Christ. That is that is the will of the Father. End of story. Notice these people in that day. And I have heard so many Calvinist types take this verse, and because your works aren't as good as they think you are, and they're like, but if you say you believe? Well, just understand, many of you are going to in that day say, Lord, Lord, have not prophesied, in the name name castle, devil's name, done devil, many wonderful works. He's going to say, Depart from me, I never knew you. So those of you who haven't been repenting of your sins, I don't know. There's going to be people saying, Lord, that day, that tells me they believe. Um, here's the key. They're professing their works. They're professing their works. Those are the people he's going to say, depart from me to. The ones who are professing their works. He's not going to say, you didn't do those works. But guess what? Our works are filthy rags to a holy God. So th- that's the point of this. It's he that do- does the will of the Father. You show me what the will of the Father is. And We see it crystal clear in John chapter 6. It's to believe on Him. You know why? Here's why we need to believe on Him. And I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit because we have to fulfill the law. And we'll we'll cover that here in just a second. So verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. He doesn't say you'll be saved. But you'll be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Well, what's the point of that? Well, and the rain descended, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. He should be likened unto a foolish man which built this house in the sand and the rain descended, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And we can make application here in our churches, in our homes, in our communities. In fact, the first series I ever did in this church, I called it the house on the rock series. And basically what I did is, you know, was like we want to build our house on a rock. How do we build our house on a rock so we can handle the storms? We do the things in the Sermon on the Mount. And we just, I preached a series through the Sermon on the Mount and I kind of geared them towards the homes. And so basically, if we follow these things, when difficult times come, we'll get through them. When difficult times come. We will still be standing if we don't do these things. When difficult time comes, we'll fall. So in our our families, if we do not practice these things, they will fall apart when difficult times come. Your marriage won't make it when difficult times come if you're not following these things. In our church, if our church is not built on these things, if we are not practicing these things when challenges and difficulties come our way, we're going to fall. In our nation in our nation if we do not follow the principles of the scriptures when difficult times come our nation will fall and i believe one of the reasons our nation is still standing today is because we had a good foundation we used to have biblical principles our constitution reflected a lot of biblical principles i mean we had a lot of colonies that had leviticus 2013 in the laws literally written out leviticus 2013 in the laws that was a good foundation but, unfortunately, you know, Psalms 11.3 says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's why they're trying to destroy the foundations. That's why they've been removing these things. That's why they're taking the Bible out of everything. That's why the Ten Commandments are offensive. That's why they're removing prayer from everything. Because these things are foundational. These are the things that will help us stand. And these things are systematically, purposefully being removed from our nation. Because they want it to fall. But it says in verse 28, And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So we've already showed why this is. Jesus was that prophet. He has as much authority at this point as he did when he melted Mount Sinai. Obviously, this was not as terrifying of a sight He gave them what they asked for, but it came with just as much authority because of who He was. He was the King of the Jews. He was sent by God Himself. He was speaking the words of the Father. He was everything He claimed to be. And the people of Israel had no reason to doubt Him. Their rejection of Him was not because of a lack of miracles or uh, because of the um, message or because the message was against Scripture. It lined up with the Scripture. Their problem was a self-righteous attitude that was a huge part of their problem. And they had, a, they had no faith. That was their problem. The Sermon on the Mount is 100% relevant for us today. And so, while we will not fulfill the law based on our performance, understand we will fulfill this law through Jesus Christ. Now, how is that? Well, this is what we take for granted that they wouldn't have taken for granted. Under the law, there were certain trespass offerings and things. And so whenever they would mess up, you know, we read some of these passages, too, where it talks about those who are perfect. And uh, it says, you know, it speaks very highly of some people in the law. It doesn't mean they never committed any kind of sin in their life. But these were people, too, who I think what it's, it's saying is these people, you know, they were doing the practices you were supposed to do. They were following the ceremonial things. And so whenever they would mess up, you know, they'd, they'd give that trespass offering and they do all those things. and and they did they had a priest that would do things to atone for their sins now throughout their history their priests weren't very good their priests were always failing and they weren't doing all the things they were supposed to do but that was a part of the system that they had for when they messed up they had there were sacrifices and things well understand we still have that today except it's not with an earthly temple It's not with an earthly priesthood. Jesus Christ is our priest. And so understand, whenever we mess up, instead of a Levitical priest offering a new sacrifice for your sin, the one-time sacrifice Jesus made at the cross atones for any future sins that we do. And that's why the Bible says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. So I can stand here today because I have and because I have believed on Christ, I can stand here today and say that I have fulfilled this law. You say, Brother Tommy, last week I saw you do something and you know what? That wasn't following the golden rule. And so therefore you messed up. OK, I did on that end. But understand, I have a high priest making intercession for me before God. So I'm covered. I'm covered. Thanks to Jesus Christ. And so, uh, at the same time too, so, well then we might as well just go do all the sinning we want. Well, hey, if, if you, if you want to do that, that's fine, but just understand, uh, your Heavenly Father is going to get mad and He's going to chasten you. And that's why Hebrews chapter 10, people get messed up on this thing is teaching you to lose your salvation. But turn over to Hebrews chapter 10, and it says in verse 6, 26, for if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Hey, listen, you don't get to sin anymore, and then just go offer up a trespass offering. Hey, it's kind of like kids sometimes. I was there before, where you went, you went ahead and you did something to your sister, No, you were going to get spanked, but you're like, I can take it; it's worth it. You know, and th- there were times I did that growing up. But you know what? You you can't just go sinning, and that's why again, God God never even cared about those sacrifices. He wanted a contrite heart. That's what God, that's what God wanted. And so understand, hey, you're not under that system anymore, Hebrews. So He said, now, if you go and you sin willfully, there's no more sacrifice. You don't get to offer a sacrifice and you're all good. So what does that mean? But a fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment, suppose ye shall be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, I don't see anywhere in there where you go to hell. But you know what I do see? God judging His people. And you know what? Understand, while Jesus is going to make intercession for me to make sure things are good between you know, me and the Father so I can go to heaven, if I push it with Him, you know what? His hand is going to come, of judgment is going to come down on me on this earth. I'm getting chastened. And you know what? He's going to make sure I don't walk away from that chastening saying it was worth it. Listen, there were some spankings that I walked away from when I was growing up. Where it was worth it, I was glad with what I did to my sisters, and my parents didn't spank me hard enough it, and, and it was, there were, there were other times I was like, man, I wish I hadn't done that, but you know my parents you know they didn't always know how far to take it and all that you know you don't want to abuse your kids, and there was some times I probably needed a little bit of abuse, maybe I don't know, but at, at the same time, God knows what we need. God will make you sorry for for what you do, and so I'm thankful that I have the comfort that his blood cleanses me of my sin and I will never go to hell. But that doesn't mean I'll never get punished by him on this earth. You better believe you'll get punished with him on this on this earth if you mess around. But fulfilling the law, it is. It's done through Christ. He is where the law is fulfilled. Where we mess up, he makes intercession. But you know what? We should still try not to mess up. We should still try to do these things. And we do them in liberty. We do them knowing that hey, even if I mess up, He's there. But let's not do it on purpose. You know, let's let's make a real effort. I think we can all do better. So, uh, just like the old covenant had priests who offered up sacrifices for sin, we have a priest. He's just already offered up that sacrifice with His body, and it is. It's, it would be a shameful thing to take advantage of that. That that offering of His body with so much. Hope more holy than the offering of a lamb or anything else and so we shouldn't you know we shouldn't take advantage of that That, that's a shameful thing so with that let's pray dear lord we thank you so much for uh this chapter lord we thank you for the sermon on the mount and i pray you'll help us to uh apply all these things lord we we briefly covered all these things we could have preached whole sermons on each of them but i pray Uh, Every person here will take them serious. Help them to realize how important these instructions are. Help us not to take uh, the intercession that you make for us for granted, but uh, help it, let it embolden us to just uh, keep moving forward and uh, let your Holy Spirit strengthen us and help us do better in these areas. In your name we pray. Amen.